St. Luke tells us that when John the Baptist had been six months in the womb of his mother Elizabeth, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. Down through the many generations of a thousand years, Joseph was a direct descendant of King David, and Joseph's virgin bride Mary was a cousin of Elizabeth, mother of John the Baptist. And the angel said to her, Be not afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And here we are, 2,000 years later, rejoicing in the everlasting kingdom of the Lord Jesus, the Son of David, the Son of Mary, and the Son of God Most High. But because Christ Jesus will reign forever from the throne of David, we must first know something about David and his throne to understand the nature of the eternal kingdom of Christ. In chapter 16 of the first book of Samuel, we read that the Lord sent the prophet Samuel to Bethlehem in search of a man named Jesse who had eight sons, one of whom had been chosen by God to rule Israel in place of Saul, who had proven himself unworthy to be king. Samuel started with the firstborn of Jesse's sons and worked his way to the youngest before finding the true king. David, in fact, was not even present when Samuel offered sacrifice to God for the selection of the king because the boy was out in the field tending the sheep. So after his older, taller, and stronger brothers had been passed over, the youngest son was called in and presented to the Lord, who instructed the prophet to anoint the handsome but otherwise unremarkable teenager because the Lord sees not as man sees. And then we read that Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. In this way, David, the simple shepherd, became the Mashiach, or Messiah, meaning the anointed one. And in due course, he was given by God as king to the children of Israel. After King David succeeded Saul, he then became the anointed sign and instrument of the covenant by which all of the twelve tribes would be gathered into one kingdom and united as a single people, a prefiguring of all the nations being gathered into the church, which is on earth the seed and beginning of the kingdom of God. We know, of course, that David's service as king was deeply disfigured by his own grave sins. But while David was unfaithful to the royal covenant with God, the Lord remained true to his word, to David, and to his house forever. And so the kingdom which was promised to David 1,000 years before the birth of the Lord Jesus finally came to fruition in the son of Mary, 
who was announced by Gabriel as being both son of David and son of God Most High. And now we are ready to understand why, on this solemnity of Christ the King, the appointed scripture lessons are about shepherds and their sheep. From the prophet Ezekiel, thus says the Lord God, I myself will look after and tend my sheep. And from the Psalms of David, the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And from the Gospel, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit upon his glorious throne, and all the nations will be assembled before him. And he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And now we come to perhaps the most disturbing dimension of the kingdom of God for us, the possibility of being excluded from that kingdom forever. Recall that at the beginning of his public ministry, the Lord Jesus announced that the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. In other words, our place in the kingdom of God comes not from our own goodness or wisdom, but from repentance and faith in the gospel. But no one is compelled to accept this proclamation and invitation, and all of us remain free to misuse our freedom and to live as we choose, even if our choices be contrary to the law and love of God. And so there is a real distinction between the sheep and the goats. In the kingdom of God, there simply is no place for those who dispute the sovereignty of the Lord Jesus by breaking his commandments. And from Christ's own words in the gospel today, we discover what distinguishes those who have a place in the kingdom from those who do not. The goats live only for themselves. They do nothing to relieve the suffering of others, to assist those in need, to welcome the alien or immigrant, to care for the sick or visit the imprisoned. And by their self-absorption, they reveal that they do not really love God and so cannot truly love others, which is why those who are lost in sin end up hating even themselves. A scribe asked Jesus, Rabbi, what is the greatest commandment? And Christ answered him, The first is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, to live in the kingdom of God is to serve others. And this is true even of Christ the King, who came among us not to be served, but to serve. This paradox is why no worldly authority could see in the Lord Jesus the true heir to the throne of his father David. Pilate asked the Lord, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus replied, My kingship is not of this world. And the angry mob crying out for his blood agreed with him, we have no king but Caesar. Every time we deliberately reject the love and the law of God, 
Every time we refuse to serve others, we also reject the kingship of Christ and start down the path of becoming goats rather than sheep. But if in the kingdom of God there is no room for the goats, the good news is that there is always room for the sheep, including the lost sheep who stray from the flock. Hear the word of the Lord from the prophet Ezekiel. As a shepherd tends his flock when he finds himself among his scattered sheep, so will I tend my sheep. I will rescue them from every place where they were scattered when it was cloudy and dark. I myself will pasture my sheep. I will myself give them rest, says the Lord God. The lost I will seek out, the strayed I will bring back, the injured I will bind up, the sick I will heal. And that is the mission of the Good Shepherd. Even we who hear and heed the call of Christ to follow him in the way of the cross will stray in our sins and be lost in disordered self-love and be wounded by our failures to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves. But so long as we are willing to repent and believe in the gospel, Christ the Good Shepherd the shepherd king of Israel, the shepherd king of all the nations, the shepherd king of the entire universe, will find us and restore us to his eternal kingdom, a kingdom of truth and life, of holiness and grace, of justice, love and peace. Being received into the eternal kingdom of God is the only way for us to escape the never-ending death and nothingness of the grave. And so in the second lesson today, St. Paul explains to the Corinthians that since death came into the world through a man, the resurrection of the dead came also through a man. For just as in Adam all die, so too in Christ all shall be brought to life. And at the last day, when Christ has destroyed every sovereignty, authority, and power contrary to the love of God, then God will be all in all. The funeral rites of the Book of Common Prayer contain a text which expresses this saving truth in words of consoling beauty, words of faith by which we should both live and hope to die. In this prayer, the church asks for divine mercy upon a disciple who has died in Christ, something which at the end of our lives we should all hope to be. On the day of my burial, for example, this prayer would say, Into your hands, O merciful Savior, we commend your servant Scott. Acknowledge, we humbly beseech you, a sheep of your own fold, a lamb of your own flock, a sinner of your own redeeming. Receive him into the arms of your mercy, into the blessed rest of everlasting peace, and into the glorious company of the saints in light. Amen. Come. Lord Jesus.